Well, good evening. Good to see you here tonight. <laughs> you didn't sound too enthused. <laughs> I didn't hear much from you. Uh, hopefully you're at home saying good evening, Pastor. <laughs> so, uh, we, we do have uh, there uh, that you can find us there on Facebook uh, and on uh, Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. Uh, YouTube is at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. So be sure uh, to get uh, any of those platforms up that you uh, would normally see us on. Uh, if you want to share with us any prayer requests, uh, you can do that over on Facebook so be sure to do that uh, we have it open I have it open at least on my phone so I can keep up several others will too uh, so uh, you'll be able to comment there if you want you can send us an email uh, to let us know any prayer requests but those just won't be live as well as you can call the church office uh, at the number that you see there on the screen uh, for getting the phone live streaming number uh, which is at 931-455-0645 uh, and then don't forget YouTube also, you can give us the, the thumbs up on any of those, give us the retweets there on Twitter, uh, give us the, the subscription there, subscribe on YouTube, doesn't cost anything to subscribe, you just hit the little subscribe button, the notification bell, that way you'll be able to get those uh, when we go live. So uh, be sure also to go to our church website. Uh, and on our church website there under at HighlandBaptistChurch.com, just go a few tabs over to the info tab there. Uh, you can download uh, this week's worship bulletin, so be sure to get that downloaded. Uh, lots of other events and things coming up this week. You'll find there also the links for our children's worship bulletins uh, for ages 7 and up and ages 3 and up. And then also you can go to the far right-hand side and click the Give Online tab. There you can do your regular giving uh, online and so I encourage you to do that you can designate to the budget offering uh, as well as you can uh, also give to the golden offering for tennessee missions if you're here in person i have two different envelopes here one for the regular the pink for the golden offering so be sure to give uh, to each one of those and while you're there also on the church website under that info tab uh, go ahead and go to the prayer list there, get it downloaded so you'll be able to follow along with us as we go through the prayer list. Uh, be sure to share with us any updates uh, of any prayer requests that you may see on there also, and then we'll be sharing with you some new ones to add tonight. So Brother Mike, I guess if you'll come and lead us in our hymn. Those of you that are here, take out your hymnals if you want to follow us in the book there. and. It's hymn number 192. I have sent the wrong number to the pastor. Uh, actually, it's, uh, he, I'm sure he's got the words, but he, he got the, the song number right, too. That's good. He has to watch over me because I can't count. <laughs> Mr. Pat, let's sing soon and very soon. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more dying there, we are going to see the King. No more dying there, we are going to see the King. No more dying there, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more crying 
there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. That's what we're going to be learning about a little bit more tonight in the book of Revelation uh, when we get over to there. Uh, so be sure, uh, go ahead and comment there any prayer requests uh, that you may have. So let me just go ahead and take a look here, if you will, uh, at the HBC family side. Uh, we want to remember, of course, Jack Doubt. We don't know yet when still. The 15th, okay. So he's going to be having some shots uh, on the 15th, so we want to uh, be in prayer for him uh, with that for his back. Uh, and then also remember Rick German. Has anybody heard from him today? He was going to give me a call, but haven't heard anything yet. All right, so he was having his knee replacement uh, this morning, and so keep him in your prayers. It is going to be a, a recovery from that, as some of you know who've had that before or known individuals who have. I know he's told me he's going to be at least, uh, I think he said, two days at the hospital uh, because of his heart issues to monitor and make sure everything's well with that. And then he's going to be in the rehab at NHC for about two weeks at least for uh, rehab there and getting back the use and walking. So we do want to remember uh, him in prayer. And then also, uh, if you remember uh, Mary Alice Hood, uh, this is Jordan and uh, Jared. I'm in the J's <laughs> at least. It's Jared and Martha Brooks' uh, baby uh, that was just born. Uh, she is still at the NICU. She continues to improve, uh, but we want to continue to uplift her uh, in your prayers. Um, so uh, keep them all uh, in your prayers. And then also, I have not heard the update, but I know Virginia Craig uh, Griffin was to have her tumor removed uh, day before yesterday. So just continue to remember her for recovery from that. And then also remember the family of Rita Fulcher uh, as she passed away last week. So we want to remember her in our prayers. Uh, any others that we need to mention or any other updates uh, that we might have? And if there's something wrong there on Facebook, let me know. If you can't hear any of that, um, give us some notification there on face, FaceTime or Facebook. Okay, good. Kay Fox got a good report from the doctor. Uh, she had her knee replacement surgery. I know she was <laughs> waiting to hear that good report from him. And so just continue to remember her as she continues to recover from hers. Any others? All right, good. So that was for Gil Williams, uh, who is on our prayer list, healing from uh, the broken bones that he had and everything. Uh, there is still some healing that's going on there, but everything's going great. He's back at work, back at school. And so we just praise the Lord for that so you can remove him from your prayer list at home. Any others? Don't want to miss anybody in here. And I don't see anybody on Facebook there. 
Um, one thing I will share with you for those who are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of that, uh, our broadcast did not go out Sunday morning, Sunday night did, but not Sunday morning. And so tomorrow we will be rebroadcasting uh, that service from Sunday. I believe we do have a recording of that. Uh, but just want to give you the heads up for that. It'll go out at about the same time as our normal service does uh, at 1030 tomorrow. So I uh, just want to let you know that if you're especially if you're there on the phone live streaming, it'll automatically call you. So that's what that call uh, will be about from the phone live streaming will be our service from Sunday morning. We had some switches that were off from last Wednesday night that I didn't turn back on from last Wednesday night. So uh, we'll be sure to turn those uh, back on. In fact, let me get those up. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer then for these, and uh, we'll get right into our passage for tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the many wonderful blessings that you have given to us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. And we just ask, Heavenly Father, that you will speak to us in a powerful way tonight as we continue through the book of Revelation. We know we're getting closer to the end. Uh, but Father, we pray that as we come into the presence of your word, may we come into the presence of your holiness. And may your holiness convict us of any sin that is in our hearts and our lives. We acknowledge, God, that you are all-powerful and almighty. You are all-knowing. You are ever-present everywhere at the same time. So there's nothing, Lord, that we know that we can hide from you. You have seen it all. You know it all. And so we just come before you, Lord, tonight in the presence of the light of your truth that shines into the hearts of sin tonight, Lord, that you will uh, help us to come to that place of confession, uh, of our sins, that as you've told us in your word, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. We ask for your cleansing by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We don't want anything to hinder our prayers uh, on behalf of individuals who are on our prayer list, as well as those who may be on our hearts who don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior. I pray, God, that you will burden our hearts. Lord, just as much as our hearts are burdened for the physical needs, may we be burdened even more for the spiritual needs. And Father, I just pray that it would be such an overwhelming burden that we would be praying every day, every moment that we are conscious of it, uh, of those individuals, that we would just pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to work in their life, that we would pray, Lord, for you to send laborers into the harvest field uh, by sending people across their path to share the gospel with them, to encourage them in their walk with Christ, uh, to use us in whatever way that you will. And Lord, I pray that we would come submitting ourselves before you, that as we've confessed our sin, you've forgiven us of our sin, may we surrender to your will uh, in our lives and be used by you in a great and mighty way. So bless us tonight, Lord, as we come before you uh, in praying for each one of these individuals uh, on our list. Lord, there are many who uh, have some ongoing issues, and we just pray, God, for your healing hand to continue to be upon them, continue to walk with them through these difficult times that they're going through. For, Lord, those who may be uh, facing surgeries or have had surgeries today, we just ask for your healing touch to be upon them also. Lord, strengthen them and let them know that you are with them. Father, I pray that you'll bring that healing touch to them, that they will have a, a good recovery. 
Lord, we pray that you'll be with each one of these that are going through uh, rehab and helping them, Lord, to regain the functions of, of legs or arms or whatever it may be, Lord, that's the issue that they're in the rehabilitation for. Uh, maybe it's even for their hearts. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will just uh, have your healing touch upon them. You are the great physician, and so we just ask, Lord, for you to embrace them in your power, shower them with your love and your grace and your mercy, and make yourself known to them in their time of need. Lord, we pray for those who have lost loved ones and ask for you to continue to send the Holy Spirit to be an encourager and a comfort to their hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray that those who are hurting in their hearts for the loss of a loved one, uh, Lord, would, would be encouraged in your presence and that they would draw closer to you and cling tighter to you than ever before and that you will walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death to see them through to the other side. Lord, we pray for uh, all the things that are going on around our world. We pray for the elections that are happening uh, and upcoming in this next week. Uh, Father, we pray that you will uh, just guide individuals as they vote, guide our, our legislatures and our leaders uh, across our state and our nation uh, to honor you in the things that they do uh, and the decisions that they make. Father, bring our nation back to where we need to be uh, in focusing upon you and making you the priority uh, of our lives. And Father, we just pray that you will send a great sweeping revival uh, across this nation and let that begin with us even here tonight. Lord, we come and we just ask, Lord, that as we come into your word, we know your word is powerful. We know your word is alive, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It renews us, it refreshes us, it strengthens us. And so, Father, I pray that you would use it to do those very things tonight, that as we read the book of Revelation, as we hear the book of Revelation, Lord, may we also keep the book of Revelation that we might experience that threefold blessing that you gave us at the very beginning of this book. Father, I pray that we wouldn't shy away from studying Revelation or any other part of the scripture, uh, but Lord, that we would seek to understand uh, the things that we can understand uh, and to trust you with the things that maybe we don't fully yet understand for our lives. So bless us tonight, Lord, as we uh, read your word, as we study your word. We just pray, God, that you will use it even to bring those who may not know Christ as Lord and Savior, to bring them to faith in Christ, uh, that they might hear of the great and wonderful plan that you have for us in heaven, uh, that you don't want any to perish. Uh, and that is why you are so long suffering and why you have not brought your judgment yet. Uh, because you are uh, waiting upon those individuals to come to faith in Christ. So, Father, I pray that uh, they would come to that place before it's too late. Bless your word tonight, and just bless us as we study your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation, chapter 21. And we're going to be looking at verse 1 uh, down through verse 8. We've entitled the message tonight, The New Heaven and the New Earth. Uh, and we're getting close. This is the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. We'll be finishing this up, and if nothing changes our plan, we'll be finishing this up by the end of November. Uh, so the last Wednesday night of November will be our last message in the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 22. Uh, in this section, we've been looking at uh, our prophecy charts. We still have some of those if you're interested in grabbing one for further study. Uh, it's a wonderful tool, a wonderful resource to help you kind of see the layout uh, of God's plan uh, in, a, in a 
somewhat chronological uh, aspect there. You'll notice there are some gaps in there that are kind of uh, parenthetical sections that draw back to get the better, clearer picture. Uh, there's the letter to the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls sandwiched between the trumpet and the bowls is one of those places where you drop back to kind of look at the bigger picture, then you come back in to those seven bowls, and then after the seven bowls comes the thousand-year reign. So the judgments have finished now uh, with, the, with the bowls and the trumpets and, and the vials that are going to be poured out, the seals that are open. All those judgments are, are over with at this point that we're in the scriptures in. Uh, we've read about the thousand-year reign last week uh, in chapter 20. Uh, we've also saw the great white throne judgment there in chapter 20. And so now we're in that last section in the last two chapters here, the new heaven and the new earth. You know, chronologically, we're coming to the end of time uh, here in the book of Revelation. We're making the transition from time to eternity. So think about that. How do we measure time here? We measure time by our revolutions turning around and, uh, and revolving around the sun. Uh, so uh, we, we calculate our chronology by that. Well, in this time that we're coming to, it's going to be the end of that time, uh, and the light is going to be the lamb, and so there'll be no need for the sun that we're going to see as we get further over into chapter uh, 22. Uh, but we're coming to that end of time. We're making that transition from time to eternity. And so the Bible tells us that there's going to be a period when time will be no more. You won't need watches in that day. Time won't matter anymore. We'll move from chronology, as we said, to eternity. Uh, we'll move into the eternal state. And all the way through the book of Revelation, we've been pointing towards this time. We've been coming to the end uh, when God says that he's going to make all things new uh, and he's uh, going to begin uh, to do that. And now he does begin that. Uh, and he's going to, John's going to give us here uh, in Revelation chapter 20 and, or 21 and 22, he's going to give us a beautiful picture here. Uh, beautiful language picture and description of our eternal state. So much of what we read here uh, really defies our ability to understand. Uh, there's just so much here uh, that, that even as John is describing it, words fail to describe it completely. You know, all the way through the book of Revelation here, but now coming to this part. And so it's difficult as we're going to get here into chapter 21 and 22 to grasp the things that are mentioned here. The concepts uh, that are given to us here are beyond the categories really of our thought and our understanding. Uh, we're not able really with human language to adequately portray what God has to say about our eternal state. In fact, the key to what we find in these verses is found in verse 5. Verse 5 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So understand this. When you go to buy a car, you go from an old car to a new car, it's going to be different than the old car was. Uh, it's going to have new features that the old car didn't, especially if you're upgrading. Now, if you're going back to a classic or an antique, that, that's going to be a different story. You're going to be going backwards in the features and things that it offers. But here he's talking about something completely brand new. Behold, I am making all things new. 
And so that's what we're going to be seeing here uh, throughout these last two chapters in these introductory verses to the last concluding chapters here of Revelation. We've got some new things that are laid out here uh, before us uh, that, that will give us at least some inkling uh, of an understanding of what this eternal state is going to be like. And so when we say it's new, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe something you've never seen before. It's going to be different than this world is, but there'll be maybe even some similarities. So notice the new creation, the new creation. That's what we're going to see here in verse 1. So read with me verse 1 uh, again. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So he tells us there in verse 1 that there's going to be this new creation. Uh, there's a prediction here that there's going to be a brand new heaven and there's going to be a brand new earth. Uh, the Bible makes the prediction here uh, that, that there's going to be a time when the first heaven and the first earth uh, are going to pass away and God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Now Jesus said in Matthew 24 uh, and verse 35, he said, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. And so even Jesus himself had already given us the prophecy that uh, the heavens and the earth will pass away uh, someday. So there's going to be a, a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah, the great prophet uh, of God in the Old Testament makes this prediction in Isaiah 65 verse 17 where he says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Uh, now we're going to get heavily into that in just a little bit uh, in that understanding that, uh, that as these for new things are created, the former things are not going to be remembered or even come to mind. Now back in, uh, so here's that new heaven, new earth. The Bible has predicted that it's going to be so. Back in Revelation chapter 20, and verse 11, uh, here's what he said, if you'll remember last week. He says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, what happened? Earth and sky fled away, and there was no place that was found for them. So here's the prediction in the Word of God that the first heaven, the first earth are going to pass away. So let's think about it for a moment, about this passing away of the first heaven and the first earth. Uh, he says <clears throat> that they were passed away <clears throat> and there's no more sea. That's what he says in Revelation uh, 21 and verse 1. That's a remarkable concept. Because it really is beyond our ability to understand. All we know is this present earth. All we know is the present heavens. Now, when you study the Bible, you'll discover that primarily there are three heavens revealed in the scriptures. Uh, there's, first of all, the atmospheric heaven uh, where the birds fly and the, and the clouds form. We talk about the heavens in that respect. Uh, there's secondarily the planetary heavens. You talk about the stars, they're in the heavens. Uh, so that's a second one uh, where the galaxy and the universe is. And then there's the third heaven, uh, the heaven of heavens where God sits upon his throne. So when the Bible says that the first heaven and the first earth are passed away, evidently the reference here is to the atmospheric 
heavens, uh, to where the, the clouds are formed, to where the birds fly in. It, turn over to 2 Peter for just a moment. You can hold your finger here uh, in your scripture at Revelation 21. But look at 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at a few scriptures here uh, quickly. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. 2 Peter 3 and verse 7. Uh, there's a rather interesting passage here of Scripture, and it's fascinating in its modern understanding because look at what this prediction is. You have a detailed description that's modern in its terminology that gives us some idea of how the first heaven and the first earth are going to pass away. So notice what it says, but by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So notice that particular phrase there, uh, that, that the, the earth, that the heavens and the earth that now exist, the current heavens, the current earth that now exists, they're being stored up for a judgment that's coming uh, to, to destroy uh, the heavens and the earth. Drop down to verse 13 in that same chapter. It says, but according to his promise, we are waiting for what? New heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, in which there's going to be godly living that's going to be dwelling there. Uh, and we'll find out a little bit later, meaning no more sin uh, there too. Then drop down or drop back up to verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and verse 11 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Other versions say will be burned up also. Uh, verse 11 goes on to say, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, so we know that even if it didn't say uh, that in, in the version you're reading, we know that verse 11 says all those things are going to thus be dissolved anyway. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? So get the picture. He says the, the old heaven, the old earth is going to pass away. It's going to happen with a, a cataclysmic event. The heavens are going to pass away with a roar. That's going to be loud. The heavenly bodies are going to be burned up and, and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it are going to be exposed and burned up. So notice the terminology uh, that's used here uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by a man who was a fisherman. This is a man who was a fisherman, Simon Peter, who's writing this. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives him language here 2,000 years ago, which is remarkable in its accuracy in terms of what we know about our present universe. They didn't know what we know today. Uh, he makes it very clear in verse 7 that the heavens and the earth, as we know them now, are kept in store, reserved unto fire. So here's a picture of the heaven and the earth stored with fire. We know that our earth is like a hollow ball and it has an outer crust and, and on the inside, what is it? Molten lava. Uh, it, it is molten liquid that's seething and, and boiling and bubbling and really the times that we get to see it the most are when it bursts forth out of volcanoes. Uh, even under the sea as it comes out uh, in volcanoes. And so the Bible says that one day the earth is, is going to be like a gigantic bomb, if you will. Uh, 
In many scientific circles today, it's common to think in terms of the creation of the universe as the Big Bang. Uh, that happened. The truth of the matter is the world didn't begin with a big bang, but the world is going to end with a big bang. Uh, the Bible says that this heaven and the earth uh, are stored in fire will pass away uh, with a great noise. It says the elements will melt with a fervent heat. The word elements there uh, means the fundamentals of the creation. It means the basic building blocks uh, of the creation. The word we use uh, for that word elements today uh, is the word atom. Uh, we've been able to unleash the power of the atom. And when just a few atoms have been able to be loosed, it has loosed a terrible power on the earth. Uh, we've seen the devastating destruction uh, when just a few atoms are unloosed. And yet there is a prediction that at the end of time, there is going to be an unloosing of all the elements of the universe. And you can just imagine what's going to happen. Uh, we're told that all of this is going to be dissolved. This building is going to be dissolved. Your homes, your cars, your vehicles are going to be dissolved. Uh, everything is going to be dissolved. All the heavens and all the earth that we see are going to be dissolved. We don't know if this means a total disintegration or if it's going to be a total renovation. I tend to believe it's probably going to be a renovation. We're told in prophecy from Isaiah, uh, which we read earlier in Isaiah 65, 17, he says, for behold, go back to it here. Isaiah 65, 17, that says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So when God does away with this present heaven and this present earth, and when God creates a new heaven and a new earth, the new one is going to be so beautiful that we won't even remember the one that we live in right now even if it's a total renovation there. So think of the beauty of the creation that we live in even today. I mean, even regardless of the fact that it has been sin-cursed, even though our creation uh, that we live in bears the scars and the marks of human sin, there's still breathtaking beauty uh, all around us, all about our creation. I mean, we're here in the fall season of the year, ending the peak of the, of the leaves on the trees, changing colors. Many of those are, are falling from the trees uh, now. But it's been so beautiful to see. There's so much of creation uh, that we can see around us. Some went on vacations uh, to go to the beach. Uh, you go down to the Atlantic Ocean or e even to the Gulf, uh, you can see a marvelous ocean that God has created. It's breathtaking. It's beautiful and it's splendor. Uh, I got to see this past summer for the first time ever the Pacific Ocean. And it's beautiful on that side of the United States. And yet God says, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be so beautiful that it's absolutely going to take your mind away from anything that you've ever seen before. It'll be as if somebody will ask you if you remember how the Smoky Mountains used to look. And you'll say, I can't even imagine. But look how gorgeous they are now. Uh, somebody would say, oh, do you remember the Swiss Alps and uh, how, they, how beautiful they were? And I can't remember that, but look how beautiful they are now. It's interesting that the end of verse 1, John says that in this new creation, what is there no more of? The sea. 
There's no more sea. Isn't that wild to think of? Because the biggest portion of our planet is the sea, water. It's what divides our nations and, our, and the continents from, from one another. Uh, and, and so uh, he's telling us here, there's not going to be any more sea. Now, put that into the context of where John is and what he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here to write this prophecy of Revelation. Where is he? He's on an island. He's on the island of Patmos, a tiny island uh, that's out in the Aegean Sea. He was separated from the mainland by the sea. And so when God is giving him this vision that there's not going to be any more sea, there's a new heaven and a new earth, and there's not going to be any more sea, uh, John had been separated uh, by water from those who he loved. He had been separated from the congregation of the church. He had been separated from his loved ones and from his friends. But John says in the new creation, there's not going to be any more sea. There's not going to be any more separation. Think about that. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some had precious little ones that died prematurely. Others lost maybe their spouse. Some lost mothers and fathers. I believe with all the fervor of my heart that in the new creation, we're going to know our loved ones and we're going to see our loved ones again. Uh, somebody asked me many years ago, preacher, do you believe we're going to know our loved ones when we get to heaven? And I said, absolutely do. I believe that I'm going to ha have a whole lot more sense then than we do now. Uh, but, but if I recognize them now, why would I re recognize them then? Yes, they're going to have a new body, uh, but even then, uh, it's still uh, going to be some similarities there. There's going to be some things about them that are uniquely them. And so in the new creation, he says there's going to be no more sea, no more separation. Then notice also that John tells us another new thing in verse 2 and verse 3. <clears throat> Hopefully I didn't get some verses out of order here. But in verse 2 and verse 3, he tells us about the new city. Now next week, we're going to spend more time on the new city. Uh, but we want to look at it here in the context of verse 2 and verse 3. Uh, we'll get a whole lot more when we get into the rest of this chapter about this new city. So we notice here in verse 2 and verse 3, he says, And I saw the holy city, uh, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And, behold, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. So, so notice some things here uh, in these verses, in these two verses about this new city. One is it's a promised city. It's a promised city. We know that this holy city has been promised in the Bible. People have made their attempts to build cities. Uh, since the Tower of Babel, cities have been built. Uh, we remember that in Revelation, uh, we're told Babylon, which symbolizes uh, all man-made efforts to build a city apart from the will of God. Uh, people have built their cities looking, uh, look what our cities, though, have become. 
Uh, even today, our cities have become places of crime and, and immorality and, and moral filth. And yet God promises for, new, for the believers, there's going to be a new city. You remember Abraham? The scripture says that Abraham was looking for that city. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that Abraham confessed that he was a stranger and a pilgrim. He was looking for a city uh, whose builder and maker uh, is God. So, so think about that. Creation started in a garden and it's going to wind up in a city. Uh, you're going to live in this spectacular city uh, and, and that God has promised, this new Jerusalem. And so not only is it a promised city, it is a prepared city. He says in verse 2 that it's prepared as a bride adorned uh, for her husband. Uh, so the bride is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. God's people are compared to the beautiful bride. We're getting ready for the bridegroom who is Jesus uh, who is coming. Uh, one of these days Jesus is going to come and he is going to take his bride uh, unto himself. This new city where, he, where, where we're going is going to be like a bride adorned for her husband. In other words, this city is going to take on the nature of its inhabitants. That's always true. Any city is basically made up of the inhabitants of that city. What a city becomes is largely determined by the people and what they become. Uh, we're going to this brand new city. This city that's going to take on the nature, the characteristics uh, of the redeemed. That means there's not going to be any more sin. There's only going to be saved people uh, who are going to be there. So John is, is giving us here an awesome detailed description of this new city. We'll come back and, and look at more of the detail of it uh, as we get later next week into chapter 20. We'll take a little tour, if you will, uh, of this new Jerusalem. But it's a promised city. It's a prepared city, uh, but it is also a personal city. Notice verse 3 uh, again. Verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. His people. And God himself will be with them, with them as uh, as their God. And so God speaks out of heaven, uh, or this great voice, and says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. But what does the tabernacle mean? The tabernacle means the dwelling of God. It means he will dwell with them. It says that they, the redeemed, will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Uh, this is going to be a very, very personal city. God himself is going to live there. That just simply means that you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one interpersonal relationship with God. You're going to be able to see him face-to-face -face where we aren't able yet to see him face-to-face. -face. The Bible says that through the salvation experience, we can come to know God in a personal way even now. And that's why Christianity technically isn't a religion. Christianity is a relationship. So when you come to know Christ as your Savior, it means that you now have a personal relationship with him. And, and, and that means that we as born-again believers in the Lord right now have that privilege of, of talking one-on-one -on -one with God our Father. Uh, we can talk personally to the Lord Jesus Christ every morning of our life. We can have a little talk with Jesus and makes it all right. Uh, we can talk with him because he is personal to us. And so it 
makes sense that this city is going to be a personal place. So think about uh, when the limitations of, of this flesh that we have are gone. Think about when the restraints of time are gone. Then in that heavenly state, that eternal state, we're able to fellowship with God. God dwells with us. God will be there. We will be his people and he will be our God. You know, at salvation, God gives us his son. Uh, that's what John three sixteen tells us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God gave his only begotten son. He also gives us the Holy Spirit. Luke 11 verse 13 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So, so having given us his son, having given us the Holy Spirit, God says in his eternal state, now I'm giving you myself. God the Father face to face. We're going to be able to worship and fellowship and have a personal intimacy with the God of this universe that we never have been able to fully experience here on this earth. So think about the greatest experience that you've ever had of worship on this earth. It's going to be magnified hundreds and thousands of times fold. So John says there's going to be a new creation. He says there's going to be a new city. And then he tells us there are going to be new circumstances in this place. Things are going to be altogether different. And that's why our, our thoughts are not going to be back on what it used to be like uh, when we were growing up here on this earth. Our thoughts are not going to be on uh, that, that house or that homestead we lived at. It's not going to be on the beautiful things we see even around us now that are tainted by sin. It's going to be totally different. In fact, uh, as you see in verse 5 again, he says, I am making all things new. Now, the word new there means freshly made. It means unprecedented, different from anything that has gone on before. Uh, so he describes, uh, one of the, one, uh, describes to us these new circumstances. How, think about your circumstances that you're experiencing right now. How are you doing right now? Maybe you're having some tough times. Uh, maybe you've gone through some difficult circumstances down here, but you're going to have new circumstances up there. Uh, he tells us about the former things that are related to our, our circumstances down here. That won't be up there. And so catch the drift of what he says in these verses. What a blessing. What an encouragement these verses are going to be for us. How they fill our hearts with a desire to go to that new city and to experience those new circumstances. Look at verse 4, if you will, in Revelation chapter 21. Notice what the circumstances are. He says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So let's take this verse and, and pick it apart here and look at these new circumstances. First, no more tears. No more tears. Uh, that's what he says. He says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. So think about that. Isn't that a wonderful promise? 
I mean, think about the tears that go on in this world every single day. The tears of sorrow, the tears of pain, the tears of a bitter disappointment, the tears of failure, the tears of sadness that, that people shed, the tears of, of grief in our hearts. I mean, think about it. Have you cried lately? Uh, when's the last time you shed any tears? Maybe you wept a bucket of tears when, when you lost someone who was close to you and now there's an empty place in your heart. Maybe you, uh, you, you've shed a, a, a lot of tears because your heart is grieving over a, a loved one who maybe has gone astray uh, from God. Maybe you have a son or a daughter and, and they're away from the Lord and, and you've cried tears and your heart has been broken. God is concerned about your tears. God knows that we're living in our present day in a valley of tears. Psalm 84 verse 6 says, As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. The psalmist is talking about going through a valley, the valley of Baca. That word means weeping. It's a reminder to us that in this world there is heartache and there is pain and there is suffering. In fact, Jesus told us it would be so for those who are followers of Christ. And so it's a reminder to us in this world that we are going through a valley and living in a valley of tears. Uh, we're living in a valley of weeping. Uh, God takes notice, though, of your tears. Look at Psalm 56 and verse 8. He takes notice of your tears when he says, "You have." the psalmist says about God, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? In other words, God has a tear bottle, if you will, for every single one of us. God takes those tears. Have you ever thought about what a tiny thing that a tear is? You know, a tear can, can roll off your cheek and, and go unnoticed, but God says, I won't let it go unnoticed. God says that tear that you shed, I saw that tear. Mom, you thought nobody saw as you wiped away that tear. God in heaven saw that tear. God took that tear and he put it in his tear bottle for you. That says to me that God cares, that God loves, that God understands. It says he cares for you. And when you're weeping, whatever the cause may be, whether it's the cause of sorrow or, and the weeping and the heartache, all of that, God takes notice of it. But we're going to be in a new circumstance up there. Because when we get to heaven, God says, I'm going to wipe away all those tears from your eyes. God, and I say this reverently, God is the God of a divine handkerchief. <laughs> One of these days, he's going to wipe all those tears away from your eyes, looking forward to heaven. And then notice what else he says in verse 4. No more tears, but also no more death. No more death. And death shall be no more. Now, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, we know that God has transformed death for the believer... 
So for us as believers, death has no more power, no more victory over us. That was taken on by Jesus Christ on the cross in our place. But for those who are still lost, death is still there. The first and the second death. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. We know that God has transformed death for the believer. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we all know that's true. We know that when we die, if we're born again, it just becomes transferring from, from one place in life to another. He's ushering us into the presence of the Lord. But it still doesn't remove the fact that death in this world is an enemy. In the new circumstances, the Bible says uh, that there will be no more death. That means there will be no more funeral homes. There will be no more uh, funeral hearses. There won't be any more funeral possessions. There won't be any more graves, no more cemeteries, no more caskets. There won't be any more death. When a person dies today, one of the first things that goes on in people's minds is, where did that person go? If Jesus tarries his coming according to the nature of life, all of us are going to face death at some point, physical death. But I've got some good news for you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, when you die, you really won't die. When Jesus died on the cross, it is finished. Among the other things that are finished is that when Jesus died, he put death to death. And three days later, when he rose from the dead, he rose again to die no more. He's been alive for 2,000 years. And when you die, you won't be dead. You'll be alive forevermore. In the new circumstances, there'll be no more death. It's all, it'll all be over. Understand this, you don't want to miss heaven. Not only will there be no more death, there will also be no more sorrow. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow. He's saying here there won't be any more broken hearts. This is a world of broken hearts, but there won't be any sorrows up there, sorrows of all kinds. Uh, some have had sorrows, some have had broken hearts. I mean, think about the sorrow you've experienced, uh, what kinds of sorrows you've gone through, uh, how much sorrow you've had in failure. Uh, none of us know. We have no idea what we're, what we're going to go through. Life is no picnic. And you may go through a, a long period of sickness. You may uh, have a loved one that you need to take care of for months and months, and it will seem like there's no end to it all. Life has its sorrows. But one of these days when we get to heaven, there won't be any more sorrow. The former things will be passed away. And that's what he says there. There'll be no more sorrow, no more mourning, no more crying. Notice also that there'll be no more pain, no more pain. That's what verse four goes on to say, no more pain, no pain anymore. You'll have a pain-free body. I mean, think about that. How many of you taken medicines for that pain in your body? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> some of us are doing medicines. Some of us are trying to do some other things to keep from having so many pains. Uh, but here, you know, you think about you're going to have a pain-free body. We, we ought to be thankful. Uh, you might not always have a pain-free body, but, but some wake up every day with a brand new pain uh, that you didn't know you had before. A toothache, arthritis, uh, that, that horrible headache, uh, and just the aches and pains of getting older, much less uh, the organs and parts of the body that continue to deteriorate. Uh, there are some people who seem to have an unusual amount of pain. 
thank God for, for the painkiller medicines that we have and thank God for the things that are able to alleviate the pain that people have. But when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more pain. It's the greatest medicine you could ever have. You're going to have a resurrected body like the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be no more pain when we get to heaven. And then notice here also, he says, for the former things are passed away. That's what the end of verse uh, 4 goes on to say there. For the former things are passed away. Uh, But then notice verse 5. Verse 5 goes on to say, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He's saying uh, that he uh, he's saying that uh, he is telling you the truth. Uh, you're going to find out that when you get to heaven, everything that God has said in the Bible about heaven is going to be true. So he's saying it's faithful. That means God spoke the truth. God is faithful and dependable. He'll do everything he said he would do. Uh, when you get to heaven, uh, you're, we're going to have a new refreshment. Notice verse uh, six. Verse 6 goes on to say, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That means that the deepest thirst, the deepest desires, the deepest longings of the human heart are going to be fulfilled. A new refreshment. And he says he'll give it to you freely. That word freely means without any cost to you. You won't have to pay a thing for it. There's also going to be, though, a new responsibility. Look at verse 7. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. You're going to have a new responsibility when you get to heaven. Think about this. You're not going to get up there and just sit down uh, on a cloud and roll around when you get to heaven. Uh, I don't know about you, but that would be boring. After a while, Uh, you're going to want something to do when you get to heaven. You're going to have responsibilities. Uh, You're going to serve him forever in in a brand new body. Uh, That's what the Bible says. You're going to serve God with a perfect mind. You're going to serve the Lord in, in this place of responsibility. He says, and I will be his God and he will be my son. Uh, There is that new relationship. Uh, Think about that. Are you ready to go to this wonderful place called heaven? Notice what verse 8 goes on to say, though. He closes in verse 8 by giving eight categories that will have their part in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So notice verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, we've spent some time on that before about the second death. So, so just get the picture here, though. It, it's going to be this lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. That is the second death. Everything that heaven is, the lake of fire will be the opposite. So think about this. In heaven, it told us there will be no more tears. But do you remember how the Bible describes hell over and over? There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In heaven, there won't be any death. But in hell, they'll die and they'll die and they'll die and they'll die. In heaven, there won't be any more sorrow. But in hell, there will be sorrow on top of sorrow on top of sorrow. In heaven, there won't be any more pain. 
But in hell, there will be pain and pain and pain. Any person in their right mind ought to want to go to heaven when they die. Here's the thing. The only way for you to get there is through Jesus Christ. So if you want to go to heaven and you don't want to go to hell, you have to trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and experience now that new relationship with him so that one day you can experience the new heaven and the new earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for all the wonderful blessing of this passage tonight. Father, we thank you for uh, just showing us the, the picture in a glimpse here of this new heaven and this new earth. Father, I pray that it would stir our hearts with a longing to want to be there in heaven. Lord, that if we don't know Christ as our Lord and our Savior tonight, that that would be the first step we would take to trust in him right now. To just call out to him and say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on that cross, was buried in the tomb, arose on the third day. I want to have eternal life. So Jesus, I receive that free gift and I ask you to come into my heart and my life and to save me and to help me to live for you all the days of my life. I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, and I turn to follow you. Father, I pray that if there are those who have prayed something like that in their hearts this evening, Father, I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and that they will be in that new heaven, and they will be there at that new earth. Father, I pray that for those of us who are believers, though, may you use this passage to encourage us, Lord, to want to share with people more and more. The more and more we learn about heaven, the more and more we learn about what's going to happen there and, and the relationship that we're going to experience there and the things that won't be there, like the pain and the suffering and the tears and the death and, and all of those things, Lord, that that would just create a desire and a passion in us to want to share more and more with those who don't know Christ before it's too late. Lord, bless us in the remaining time that we have here on this earth. And I pray a special blessing upon us, Lord, for tonight, for having read, for having heard, and now may we keep your word in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Well, thank you all so much there for joining us online. Uh, we're glad you were here with us. We'll be back Sunday morning, 9.30 for Sunday school in person, 10, or 9.15 uh, for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Uh, so come and join us in person for worship if you can. If you can't, uh, all those platforms are available for you to uh, watch us on, to listen to us on, on phone live streaming. Thank you also for being there with the phone. Uh, but you have a blessed week, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.